Welcome to HACCP Mentor, where it's all about helping you make your food business compliance easier. Sit back and relax as we get our food safety, HACCP and quality compliance on. Hello, welcome back. You're listening to Off The Menu. I'm Peter Holtman from Holtman Professional Services. I've got Amanda Evans-Lara here from HACCP Mentor. Say hello, Amanda. Hello, Amanda. There we go. Thank you, Amanda. (laughs) We're uh, talking about the topics that you mightn't readily find about uh, careers in the food industry. This episode, we're going to start looking at building direction. Absolutely. So you've heard us talk previously about our twisted, varied and very colourful career pathways and and what moved us through our career paths to where we stand in front of these microphones now and talk to you. I guess common questions that you might get, Amanda, and I definitely get is, well, how do you know what you want to do and how did you get to where you are? I actually get emails about that all the time. Yeah. People wanting to know, how can they do what I do? Absolutely. How do you get into this industry and how do you know that you want to be here and What are the opportunities and where does it go next? So we thought we'd try and break this down into a few steps for you and um, try and demystify the the pathway that you could walk down for a food career. So our first area that we're going to look at is exploring career options. So tell me, Pete, what does that actually mean? Well, that starts talking about what interests you in this space called the food industry and what types of careers can you actually pursue? There is, there is many and varied as there are, you know, um, you know, colours of the rainbow, really. How many colours in the rainbow are there? uh, Let's go back to Pete's. Science days. Oh, geez, let's not go Is there, there seven? There's, I, I bet there's a lot more. Roy G. Biv. There we go. <laughs> so what we want to look at is how do you actually know where to start? So are you in the industry? I don't know. You might be in the industry. Maybe you're looking for a change in the industry. Maybe you want to go to that next level. Or maybe you're starting out and don't know what's available to you. So... Why don't we start with the first area, which is do you actually even want to be in the food industry and what brings you to that industry? Amanda, I think we heard from you last time as you were saying that the uh, the function of inspecting and upholding uh, compliance was really important to you. Yeah, fundamentally it was, but that's not what made me want to get into the industry. I think a lot of people start in the food industry working a casual part-time job when they're at school they might work at Macca's or KFC or one of the fast food franchises or maybe they work for a retailer in a supermarket so that's kind of their first introduction to food and the food industry when I actually worked a supermarket when I was 15 that's where I kind of started but I knew pretty quick that I didn't want to be a checkout chick for the rest of my life sure and I guess in, in where I started in the scientific side, there was always this interest in, uh, I guess, in those days in the microbiological side, and that has a lot to do with food production, food processing, and food preservation. So you might be coming at it uh, from that angle. You could be a person that's in that industry and wants to apply those skill sets into a career in the food industry. This is probably the best place to start out is what interests you about the food industry, as you as the listener, and how would you want to apply those interests? Because uh, if I, I've been an employer of, of people and uh, in the food industry, and one of the things I'm looking for is the 
the passion or the drive for people to be there? Is it just a job to get you through yeah. uni, or is this, or is this actually a career that you want to pursue and an interest that you want to that you want to develop along the way? So, I when- think a lot of people think in in what you did. I'll just touch on that. That people sometimes people don't think a career in the food industry is actually viable, because I know even and which I touched on in the previous episode, my father was saying it was time for me to get a real job. So at that time I was actually working in bars, but you know, bartending and waitressing. And even for him as being pretty old school, he didn't see that as being a viable career doing that type of work. Sure. Yeah, and I think these days the food safety wasn't really a, pr- a profession or a career. These days it no, most it definitely is. You can you can search any online job seeker site and and find career descriptions, job descriptions and um, uh, employment in these areas now. So it's it's a profession now. Yeah, I think quality probably came before the food safety side of it. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. That was definitely my experiences. So I guess when you're starting out on your career, the first thing I'd – when people ask me about, you know, where is this going and, and how do I stay in it, I would say to you is why do you want to get into it and you know, what, what, what would make you want to – pursue a, a career sometimes for some people it's a lifetime career sometimes it's a fleeting career for people but nonetheless why do you want to get into it yeah and so this is about attributes and this is when we talk about attributes this is your behaviors your your values your morals and your response to situations and this we're talking about in a, in a workplace environment or under employment so in in saying that do you think that so I just I just need a job because I've got to pay the bills. I don't really have any moral connection to the food industry except I put food in my body, be that bad food or good food. But I just need money. I've got to pay the bills. So sure. I'll take whatever. Yeah. And you know, there, there's definitely a quotient of people out there that, that work in that way. And then there are that's other people. That's their driver. Yeah, that's, that's their motivator. It's, it's a financial motivator other people want to develop themselves within the in the industry to take their development as far as they possibly can yeah and i think that's where when we start breaking off into food safety and quality that goes to another level you're not there purely because of financial reasons you are there i think because you have a moral obligation or you feel very strongly about making sure that people have a safe product to eat i think definitely as you work up through the ladder that's the case your process worker may still be at that point of we need a job yeah and hopefully they'll then develop into the side where food safety is quite important to them i don't see this any differently to anyone else pursuing any other form of career be it a trade or a profession some people really like being a salespeople a person some people really like being a mechanic some people really like being a nurse some people want to be a doctor Mm. and because something deeper is driving you towards that. It's a personal interest that some people find hard to articulate. But I would say that when you're choosing a career, you need to be able to express that to yourself firstly. And I would also say get it down on paper. Because yeah, that's what I was going to say. Do you do like an activity with yourself where you just kind of grab a pen and paper and yeah, write look, down I, what actually what makes you feel 
that you're making a contribution or what drives you yeah, to get out of bed in the morning? I think that's the point. What drives you? What will get you out of bed and, and make you fight peak hour traffic or, or sit on public transport or get up when the weather's bad and uh, and go to a job and give them the full day's work and then go home and still have enough energy left to look after yourself, your family, your, your interests, your, your pursuits, whatever it yeah. is outside that. So I, I think you to really start tracing out this career path, you really need to say what motivates you. And so motivation's a big deal. How do you motivate yourself to, to work in a particular industry? Yeah. I'm finding that hard actually with my son at the moment because he's just about 20 and he's had a had two gap years now since leaving school and when I ask him what do you want to do, he has no idea whatsoever. Look, this is these are uh, common discussions, and I still work with people, um, and they can be thirties, forties, fifties. I've even spoken to some people when I'm coaching that are in their sixties that are still doing work for the sake of it. That there's no connection to the work, and there's no path to to um, you path know, to enlightenment. Well, Jesus, there's a big one, but there's there's no pathway that's been developed. That they've they've just worked on, and it's their sense of loyalty and trustworthiness and commitment that's kept them under kept employment. Them going. Yeah, I mean, so they've still got some level of attribute. Then those three absolutely. attributes: commitment, yeah. loyalty, and yeah. And for some employers, that's really important: having loyal, committed, trustworthy, trustworthy yeah. employees, and and that's what keeps the world moving around: is having these people. Uh, in other places, employer employees are fleeting, and employers have to account for that. This is you know the hospitality industry, for for instance. You yeah. know, there's this can be a, a transient workforce that moves through. Yeah. And so you attract and select, recruit and train to a certain level a particular type of person that comes through it. Okay. So once we've got a bit of an idea of what we would be interested in doing or learning more about, our next step, I think, is to actually go and do a little bit of research around that particular job. Absolutely. Or that career. Yeah, I think you, you start um, honing it down to a short list of job functions so you know you could say i want to work in a laboratory and i know the first steps into that industry are a lab tech a lab aide or um, a microbiologist or what have you but you don't really know anything about that particular job yeah what do they do during their time at work you know do they sit there you know staring down a microscope all day or you know are they walking a factory floor what what is it exactly so and i suppose in that that side of things, you've got to actually get a proper understanding of it rather than what's fed to you through media or things like that. We see, let's just take the medical industry, for example. It's all about rushing in and a couple of pumps. That's, That's it, like save I'm, lives. I'm pumping down on the heart. That's save life, but it doesn't show anything about filling out paperwork. Cleaning bedpans. Bed, yeah. yeah, having customer complaints against yeah. you. Having lawsuits that doesn't show anything. Any of that type of stuff? No, they just no, it's always so have the story. It's glamorous, yep. or it's uh, or it's um, yeah, highly emotive, and you yep. know, it's it makes for good viewer, good yes. viewing. But you don't uh, ever see those guys really tired, do you? No, with the whole no. or if they do, it's a whole episode on yeah. being really tired. <laughs> <laughs> exactly They've taken right. the hard road, haven't they? They're, they're only actually thirty years old, but they look like they're seventy. That's exactly right. Yeah. So I, I think if you can definitely research the job function and try to find people 
that are in those functions and yeah. have a good chat to them. That's that's a, a great way to get well prepared. And I'm sure there's people out there saying, yeah, sounds easy, but how do you do that? Yeah. Well, there's always industry associations, um, uh, professional groups, um, professional networking events where these people turn up yeah. and they're talking or they're in the audience or uh, they're, they're connected to a university or a college or something like that. There's ways of connecting with these people, yeah. and, and I think another another way too, Pete. Just I know when I was growing up, my my godmother, I never knew what she really did. So it wasn't until I was maybe about twenty two, twenty three, that I actually had the brain capacity to actually understand what she did sure. as a job. So actually talking to people in your own family or extended family and see what they actually do for a job. That may be a good place sure. to start. She ended up being a pharmacist who worked for the government. Yep. So I, but I never knew that. And I was like, oh, that started the question. You know, well, how'd you get into that? What degree do you have to have or what knowledge do you have to have to be a pharmacist? Yeah, yeah. and it could also be the, the conditions of work that you're interested in. So I know... You were describing last time, Amanda, that uh, your parents ran their own business and that you yeah. ran your own business. And so there were ways of either experiencing it directly, indirectly, or having conversations with family members about what is it like to run your own business. There are some people out here listening now that say, I'm never going to work for an employer. I'm going to run my own business, own business. be my own boss, more power to you. Do you understand what that really means? So definitely researching and understanding the roles. Okay, so there's private industry. What's different about private industry to say a, a, a government agency, uh, a government yeah. agency, or a non-profit, or a charity, even, or a, a sole trader, or an entrepreneur, or a venture capitalist in this industry? What's different that about these roles and these these workplaces that you might want to know more about? Or what attracts you to to do that type of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So when we talk about the actual different roles. We can start looking at things like let's start kind of at the bottom level where looking at food safety and quality in particular, start off with process workers. So that's mm -hmm. people who are actually doing the do on the floor, making that yep. loaf of bread spit out of that oven yep. after throwing some ingredients in a bowl and mixing it. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. you know, apologies to the baking industry, but I know there's a lot more involved than just that. Yeah, um, that's, it's the hands-on work. It's, you know, yes. things don't miraculously make themselves you know yeah. um, vegetables need to be picked in the field uh, apples need to be packed in boxes yeah. um, you know uh, packets need to be put in cardboard boxes or palletized or whatever and, that's right and 90 percent of the time a person is it, uh, involved, involved intimately in that, in that process it's got to get delivered to somewhere Absolutely, it's, it's got to made. get unpacked and then put on a plate and served to you while you're sitting down your club at the end of the day, you know, having a chat with your mate, eating <laughs> that the candle lunch. That might be you, Peter. Yeah, it could be me, absolutely. <laughs> so definitely be appreciative that uh, there are people managing these things. But uh, look, I think the point here is don't aim for the top job. That's never going to happen. First up, yeah. You've got to be realistic with your goals, I think, yep. if, especially if you're just starting in this industry. And again, I'll use my son as an example because he gives me a great amount of humour in my life. For a child who recently applied for a job as an aircraft mechanic in the Defence Force, and I asked him, so are you actually interested in planes? <laughs> and he was like, yeah. And I was kind of bemused with the fact that you know he's never shown any interest in planes. He doesn't do any 
mechanical work. I've never seen him work on his car or work with his dad on doing any type of car mechanical stuff. I've never seen any of that. Then all of a sudden he wants to be an aircraft mechanic. Some life full of surprises. I know. Whether that's... Look, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't shoot for your ultimate, you know, where you ultimately want to be because that's what drives us to get out of bed every day is to get to that point. But I think when you're only 19, 20 years old, you've got to have a little bit of realism. You're not going to have the knowledge. That's number one. I think you you, you need to try out different... Uh, job ro- jobs and, and professions as you go along until yeah, you know yeah. some eventually it's going to stick like something feels right you're going to go into that role and say yep this was this is me I should have been here yeah. all along so what was your work experience job when you're in year 10 I had so many jobs now, you know you had to do crazy. that mandatory one in year 10 my oh I, I worked at uh, a government research laboratory as you do yep and uh, my For job your two weeks my job was to feed laboratory sheep and uh, and take <laughs> care of them yeah that was that was my that was my work experience role I actually had work long before then I think uh, when I was fifteen I, my first job was working at a service station you know, behind the counter turning pumps on and collecting money yeah that was that was my first job I think my um my work experience one that we did in year 10, was actually working at the courthouse. Oh, yeah. Because I actually, at that time, I wanted to be a police officer. Yeah. But, of course, they're not going to let some work experience kid go out cruising around. Of know, course not. Around in police cars. But, ironically enough, they did allow me to do that one day, but then had to drop me on the side of the road because they had to go catch someone. Yeah. So, they said, you just wait here until we're, we're oh done. God. So, I'm waiting on the side of the road. Um, Absolutely. But the court, it was, now that I look back... I think being in the court, it didn't drive me to want to be a lawyer or anything like that. But in my role with the government, being a food inspector, we still had to do all our own legal work. So that kind of put me in a bit of position to understand how a court works and the processes, even though I was making coffee and filing. Well, so here's where these uh, personal attributes and behaviours have have, uh, set the course for you all the way through. You know, you've got these these uh, strong attributes around um, compliance and and what's right and wrong. And, uh, and I'm very black and white, Pete. Y- you are have, very black and white. I don't have very much grey in me at all. No, no. In fact, you're wearing <laughs> black and white today. No. So, <laughs> but I mean, but this is what I'm talking about. When you when you're looking for a career, a, a lot of the time, the the your attributes are choosing the career, not not uh, it's not, not a conscious in. choice. You know, you're not saying. I need to be here. Something will feel natural. Something will feel logical. Something will feel uh, comfortable, and something will feel exciting. And when you can combine all of these, so do you think then in saying that my whole when I got my first job with public health, I didn't fall into that. That was all. That's kind exactly of what I'm saying. Yeah. But but how I don't understand that because I felt that I fell into it because it was only by chance that I was talking to that that guy who was a health inspector and. You know, finding out what he actually did and learning a little about the role and, and him saying, oh, you should go and talk to the director. And why do you think he would have said you should go see the director? Is because maybe he wanted to get rid of me because he yeah. wanted to go to lunch or something. <laughs> I actually think maybe he saw the attributes coming out. And since it's a thing, you might notice your attributes because you live with them every single day. It's kind of like BA or, or BO, right? Body odor. But- <laughs> yeah, you, you don't notice you got it after the first three minutes because your brain switches it off. But you walk up next to someone and they notice it straight away. So... <laughs> 
and personal attributes. Is that and, a problem you have regularly? No. <laughs> I use lots of deodorant. Covers up my personal attributes every time. <laughs> but I mean, this is what it's about. You can talk to people, and uh, they'll get a sense of who you are very quickly. We're, that's what humans are really good at: is yeah. assessing danger or assessing um, security or whatever it might be. And so, but these do you think people put that on though as a kind of a mask? Maybe for their own protection? Oh, uh, looks. Well, we're getting kind of deep and meaningful mm. and away from career <laughs> path here, but. Uh, Let I, me just get into my cross legged position. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, hum, fetal position curled up on hum. the floor. She's doing that right now, <laughs> no. listeners. She's on the floor <laughs> under the desk, curled up in the fetal position, <laughs> taking the microphone <sighs> with her. Uh, so, look, I, I think that's what it is. It's y- your subconscious is probably choosing your career more than you know. Because right. it feels comfortable, it feels Have you got exciting. some science to back this up, Pete? Sure I do, yeah. There's yeah. lots of uh, industrial psychology and organisational design and uh, so behavioural we'll, sciences that are out there that, that talk to this. So maybe we'll put some links um, below this podcast because I'd be interested, you know, because I'm all about the science, right? So if anyone says to me, they'll come out with some bizarre stat, it's like, well, how do you know that? Sure. Where did you get that from? I want to see some level of... Evidence. Maybe that's the auditor in me. Maybe so. Maybe. Yeah, this is this righteousness, black and white. Yeah. yeah <laughs> right or wrong. So, but look, there's, there's plenty of tests out there. Um, uh, there were even at, at one point talks of introducing into schools tests that uh, predict your future career path based on a, a certain response to questions and attributes that pop out. I'll find the links for that and we'll put it at the bottom of this. That'll be great. Thanks, Pete, for that one. So when we've done a bit more research into the ideal job and basically learning what the job actually entails, what we can expect, so then we're not completely surprised, what would be our next step then? I think we're then now moving into the realm of what businesses or what organisations we want to work with. And that talks about, well, do I want to work in a government agency? Okay, which one? Why did you pick that one? What what was it about that one? Well, it it, um, it follows my follows my passion. It follows my interest. Yep. Um, why did you choose Facebook as as a organisation to work with? Well, because they're exciting and they're innovative, etc. <laughs> they're, you know, but they're very innovative. <laughs> sure. Yeah, and so that's what it's about. You know, why why would you work at Coca Cola or, or, or McDonald's or, uh, or, yeah, or, like a, that. or a large retail chain. Why do you want yeah. to work for those people? Because they're offering something that uh, that interests you. It could be the work conditions. Maybe it's not nine to five. Maybe it's a flexible work from home condition. Maybe it's casual shift. Maybe it's a part time shift. Yeah. Maybe it suits your lifestyle, depending on what's happening outside of work. You're you're a mum. You've got kids to take care of. Oh, you're a dad that's also a parent as well. It's not Are exclude they? parents. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't say that. So uh, you could Shout be, out to all the dads out there. There we go. You could be a single parent and have certain time constraints. You could be a student studying. studying yeah. Yeah. This is it. You could be a retiree looking for, you know, the the next the next uh, thing to keep you interested. Yeah. For instance. Uh, you could be a a recent immigrant to a country and and need something to to get you off and rolling. In, yeah. Uh, so there's a well. lot of lot of drivers around that stuff personally. Yeah. That could then depict what organisation, based on their culture, that that organisation offers. Yeah, it's conditions and culture and uh, progression, and it's uh, you would start marrying that up with 
what suits your lifestyle. Yeah. And lifestyle doesn't mean I want to lay around a pool, you know, drinking yes, martinis. And Well, it could be, exactly, someone who takes every Friday off. could be Friday a professional off. margarita taster. There's, there you that go. That would be good. Well, there are professional ice cream tasters out there, so why not margaritas? Oh, true that. Okay. Yeah, they don't have many teeth left. But right. <laughs> so I, I think it's about choosing something that works with your lifestyle and also... Should we looking if we're looking into the food industry, should we also take into consideration the type of food that we want to work with? Because for me, I just couldn't do the the raw meat scenario. Yeah. Being like vegan, that so just now you're talking ethics, and yeah, so I think ethics play a big part in this. Um, these days, we're we're much more socially aware of uh, ethical, environmental, social, cultural normatives that are out there yeah and how you fit within those genres you know it could be um it could be you don't want to work for an organization that has a negative impact on the environment yeah. for instance yeah. uh, without naming industries everyone could probably point their finger at least five different industries that they think has some sort yeah. of impact doesn't matter whether they know it but they definitely think that way and that's the that's the interesting thing about social media is you don't have to know anything these days. You just have to think something, have an opinion, and you get five million followers and that's it. And away it goes. So it. ethics is, is definitely a part of your consideration. Do you want to work in that industry and for that type of business? You don't want to work for anything associated with meat, that's great. Or you don't want to work for... Anything with plants? Yeah, well, let's say you work for a, um, a broadacre agricultural Products. I'm trying not to deliberately name one, but that uh, uses excessive amounts of water to grow the product, yeah. or pesticides, or, or pesticides. Yeah, yep. that uses an excessive amount of natural resources and chemicals to grow it, and you don't want to have anything to do with that. That's fine. That's your choice. Yeah, you know. And so make the choice on the employer and the industry based on all of these parameters. Yeah. Or even I've got a girlfriend of mine actually who ironically grew up in a bakery. Her family owns bakeries, but she's allergic to gluten. There you go. So that makes it, she actually had to stop working in the bakery because of that. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes it's going to push you out of certain food components or food food areas. Yeah. Or maybe you're in the industry and you've grown tired of that. Yeah. You want to change. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's worn thin and you want to do something different. I think we do see that around. For people who end up being auditors or coming as auditors, you can see they've worked in meat, they've worked in seafood, they've then gone into pre-prepared foods and then maybe they've worked on a farm. This speaks to the conditions of the role as well. People might know that being an auditor can be quite an isolated role, that you spend a lot of the time on the road travelling by yourself, You're rarely in teams of people, and that you're spending a lot of hours travelling. You spend probably an equal number of hours doing the job, and then you've got all the the post audit work, which is the write up, yeah, the administration, and all that. Yeah, yeah. And that's so, what finally did it for me. One of the reasons I left was a lot of the auditors I talk to are about that. It's that burnout, the audit to burnout. Mm. That uh, you're constantly moving from audit to audit to audit. Now that doesn't mean that it's a bad industry to get into, or it's a bad role. It's about how you manage your time and your energy as much as the role itself. For some people, those conditions suit that person. Yeah. They, they like being – I mean, truck drivers choose to be truck drivers for a reason. Right? Yeah, they they like right. that work environment. Um, it's Some people do it as a matter of need, but other people 
make that as a definite I, choice. Because yeah, I enjoy yeah. doing that. And the same thing with auditing. Uh, the same thing with being a quality manager in the food industry. You choose to do those things. Uh, by the time you've reached manager level, I think you're pretty certain about why you're in that role and why, you, you know, it's not a role you'd naturally stumble into and say, oh, I'll keep doing it because, yeah. you know, you've made a choice to get to that to point. To go to that point, like you yeah. did when you said you converted over to that CEO role. Yeah, yeah, I, I made that. a conscious decision to become a CEO yeah. from working in a highly specialised technical expert role to, to leading an organisation that could assist the experts in, in the industry. In that side of it. Yeah. Okay, so now that we've um, learned a little bit more about our target market or the types of places that we want to work in, we're going to get on to what, putting our CV together or our resume together? Yeah, I think we're, we're heading in that path here. You want to do some research about what job descriptions look like within those organisations. Now, a lot of this can be found on job seeker sites uh, through web searches or maybe you know someone there that can get you access to a, to a job description. You would then start preparing your resume or your, your CV to reflect those requirements in and they usually talk about the job function and then the skills the experience and then definitely behavioral requirements to work in there treat it more as a gap check you know what do you have on this list great how are you going to demonstrate in your resume what don't you have on that list and then how are you going to get those things All right so that would be our driver to then maybe upskill or up knowledge ourselves to yeah be able you're to definitely meet that criteria. Saying, uh, is there a short course do i have to do a more formal formal and um, extended training course is this about experience do i need to try and find work experience somehow is that through internship volunteering whatever it may be or you can't build behaviors that doesn't that doesn't happen you're born with an innate sense of behavior but you just need to be aware of where your strengths are and how you can apply that to your weaknesses in the behaviours. Okay. So I think that will wrap it up for this episode. Sure. And in our next episode, we're going to start looking at where do we find these opportunities. You kind of touched on a few little bits and pieces today, but let's leave that for the next podcast to seek out our opportunities on the particular jobs that we're interested in. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Thank you. You've been listening to HACCP Mentor. For all your food business, HACCP, quality and food safety compliance tools, check out our website at www.hacapmentor.com. You can also find all the links and resources mentioned in the show notes to this episode.